to show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Off the Mass Podcast. This week's guest, I'm welcoming Tenth Planet Portland Grappler and owner and CEO of Asgard 503 Sports Apparel, Mike Shahan. How's it going, buddy? Welcome to the show. Hey, nice, nice to uh, have me on. I really appreciate it. <laughs> I'm glad we were able to get this uh, set up. When I spoke yeah. with Jordan and Nikki, they had mentioned you. And I was like, okay, you know, that's cool. And in my thought, I was like, well, I'll have them on, you know, down the line, like weeks, weeks later, like thinking like in June. And then when we uh, started talking on Instagram, I was like, well, hell, let's not wait to June. Let's, let's just go ahead and try to get things set up, you know, as soon as possible. So I'm glad you were available to, to do this sooner rather than later. So yeah. thank you for that. Yeah, it's uh, one of the perks of uh, owning my own business and working for myself is uh, I have a pretty uh, pretty flexible schedule, I should say. Not not that I have an open schedule, but uh, it's just I can I can move some stuff around and move some projects around and stuff like that. So yeah. you're your own boss, so it's like you can say yeah. to yourself, "Hey, Mike, can I uh, have the afternoon off?" I say, "Sure, Mike. Anything for yeah. anybody." Yeah, those uh, those two thirty naps on a on a Thursday are really nice. I I, I definitely enjoy that. And um, and my wife works from home too, so uh, she works nice. remotely too. So it's it's rather nice. If, if it's a nice day out, we get to walk the dog, and we can uh, go to uh, Muay Thai in the morning and stuff like that. So it's it's pretty handy. That's really cool. And how like so with the apparel company, like how'd you you know happen into that? So a little bit of backstory about me. I started training about 10 years ago. Actually, this year will be 11 years, all under 10th Planet. Um, I started at what used to be called a, a hotbox, 10th Planet Corvallis. So before hotboxes were designated as unofficial 10th Planet schools, and um, which so they're basically 10th Planet schools that didn't have a full-time black belt there. And so I started training there under a father and son that were both blue belts at the time and um trained there got my blue belt and uh from a local black belt there and then moved up to portland about seven years ago and uh training under phil schwartz and uh nathan orchard the uh um who is now nathan's moved to seattle has his own gym up there and uh phil schwartz uh the owner of uh 10 plant portland uh really good coach really good training partner and really good friend as well. Um, and, uh, um, just kind of being around, uh, individuals that kind of like cut their own path and kind of do their, aren't afraid to like, kind of take that risk and like set out to do their own thing. I was kind of in that same space of not really feeling fulfilled with my current job at the time. Um, I'm actually, uh, I was actually a aerospace welder. Um, I welded uh, titanium aerospace for 14 years. And uh, up until last year, I did that as my full-time day job. And about uh, six years ago or so, I uh, decided to that I had some ideas on what I would like some gear to look like and what I'd like some t-shirts to look like and stuff like that. So I kind of just 
started digging into it and like, well, what does it take to print t-shirts and how do you print t-shirts and what does it take to make rash guards and how do you get them made and designs and stuff like that. And so I kind of just dove in and that became my quote unquote side hustle until it became now my full-time job. Okay. I always, I've, I've been seeing that a little bit lately um, with the couple, couple different friends as well. And I never really, you know, I'd see it from the sideline, just kind of watching. It's like, okay, cool. Neat. And, you know, but it, I'm always curious as to, you know, once it starts up, it's like, did it just happen? And it was kind of like, like you said, it was a side hustle. And then it started kind of moving faster and faster. And it's like, you know what, this is moving fast enough where this could be my main hustle. So uh, it's always interesting to hear that and instead of hearing someone say, you know, you'll hear the people that are like, I'm an entrepreneur and it was this easy to do. All I did was blah, blah, blah. Come buy my book. Yeah. They're, they're all lying They're Uh, so, um, we chatted a little bit before the uh, podcast kind of just like getting to know each other a little bit. And I said, I listened to a lot of podcasts and I actually listened to a podcast, uh, by this guy, um, Andy Priscilla. He has a, uh, it used to have this podcast called the MF CEO, the, the motherfucking CEO. And he was very, very adamant about like, all those guys are all bullshit. Like anybody that's willing to sell you a, a system or a book or any of that type of stuff, short of like the Grant Cardones or like, there's a couple of guys in that space that are like pretty legit and have built businesses like uh, the Gary V's and stuff like that. But even they don't go full on like, oh, buy my system. They're they're more of like more a little bit more motivational, a little bit more about like, oh, I can do it, you can do it too, type thing. And um, but his whole thing was just talking about, and he's like another guy that I listen to a lot. And he, he has another podcast now. I think it's called Real AF. And I've listened to a few episodes about that. Um, but um yeah, just uh it didn't really start off easy by any means. Um, <laughs> there were a lot of frustrated nights in front of computers trying to figure out Illustrator and Photoshop. Um, there was a lot of nights of, I, I should just stick to my day job and this is too much. And a lot of, uh, it's, it's definitely not an easy path. It's, it's a, I like to equate a lot of stuff to jujitsu. And I think anybody that does jujitsu kind of does that same thing, right? Yep. Like it's, it's a peaks and valleys, right? Like you feel like you're, Oh, I'm getting it. I'm getting it. I'm getting it. And there it goes up. And then it kind of like levels off or drops down. Like, Oh, I'm getting smashed for like a month straight because everybody's figuring out my game or I'm not on top of my game or what have you. Right. And so I feel like as far as like business is concerned and like even like growing a business from scratch, I feel like that's a lot. It's very similar and it can kind of mirror like owning a business versus like doing jujitsu in that aspect. So for me, it was, it was very much a side hustle for a while until it got to this point where I was getting rather busy, but at the same time, I also kind of knew that if it stayed a quote unquote side hustle, that's what all it would ever be. And so I kind of needed to just like, take that leap of faith. And I, I, I with my wife and I was like, Hey, 
this is where I'm at. This is where we're at financially. This is like, I have a lot of work coming in. I, I feel like, and I just basically told her the same thing. I was like, if I keep this as a quote unquote side hustle, then it's just always going to be that. But if I, if I give it my all, if I really pull the, pull the ripcord and like, go for it, like, I, I feel like I can put a lot more time and a lot more energy and treat it like a full-time job. And oh, the eight hours a day I'm spending at work, I could be spending those hours building my own business and doing, doing things for myself. And she was like, I, fully support you and it's great actually having somebody that was willing to support me like that she's my wife still works a full-time job but i to have somebody that was my corner that much and saying yes i agree with you that you should you should go for it so i i set a date and i was like this is the date i'm sent i'm putting in my two weeks there's definitely more scary with like covid and everything going on right sure so, and this was 20, what, 2021 last year. And it's been, a, I think almost one year to the month that I put in my two weeks and I quit my job. Uh, it was a very, don't get me wrong. It was a good paying job, good benefits. Um, I actually had a little bit of seniority at my work. And so to walk away from a pretty well-paying job to take the risk of owning my own business and running my own business that wasn't necessarily having like, it wasn't as big as the income that I was getting from. I'm making substantially less, but at the same time, it's, it's a step forward because it's an investment into what I, what I want to be doing and what I, what I need to be doing with my life. So it was, in in that aspect it was just like oh this is i'm investing in myself instead of kind of just like keeping this on a back burner type thing okay i think that's important you know what you said there having your wife in your corner fully you know just you know believing in you and supporting that you know you know that that um uh you know goal you know cuz I feel like when you don't, you know, when you're determined to do something and you feel like everything's, you know, going the right way and, you know, the person that you feel like, you know, it's always been in your corner, this shows, a, you know, even the, you know, an inch of hesitancy, you know, it can rock that boat a little bit. So I'm glad to hear that, you know, you know, from right from jump, she was like, you know, you could do it. I believe in you go for it. So awesome so when it comes to designs mm -hmm. and just you know setting everything up did you have i guess you know what i always wonder specifically is like did you have like uh like a history you know with just designs or like even thinking about it in the past or like growing up you know way beyond this or was it just something as you got into jujitsu and you know you're you're out there, you know, you see the gear and then you're like, you know what? I, you know, maybe just maybe, you know, we could do it a little bit better. Or, you know, did that come about like once you got into jujitsu had there always been like kind of this um, underlying like fashion design um, persona hidden underneath? 
definitely the latter. Um, so I never really saw myself as as an artist. Um, and my wife will beg to differ that a lot because um, she keeps telling me I'm an artist. And even now, as I create art in the form of rash guards and shorts, and and then I also have a whole print shop that I do like banners and stickers and decals and stuff like that as a separate business um that uh i'm i'm literally creating art daily and <clears throat> and so uh yeah i never i never really <clears throat> excuse me i never really uh saw myself as like the artistic type but i feel like when i started doing more and more of this type of work i feel like it kind of comes out in me and it kind of like and i i definitely that's where a lot of this started from was seeing some stuff and just like not being that impressed and was like well i can do better than that or i have or it, it, it not even just that it was also just like well i have ideas let's make them see if anybody likes them and if they buy them cool and then people started buying my stuff and I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. Yeah. It's gotta be, you know, one of those great fill-ins just, you know, you see that first sale. I was like, Oh wow. Like, okay. Someone got it. And you know, then it, you know, then there's the next sale then the next sale. And then it's like, Oh snap. Like th this could be something whenever I try to think of something, you know, like a t-shirt specifically. I'm always like thinking too like straightforward and not outside the box. Mm -hmm. And that's what I always think is important when it comes to, you know, designing, you know, board shorts, rash guards, things like that is, you know, anyone could, you know, make a rash guard that says just that rash guard in box mm -hmm. letters. But to actually have, you know, a, a design vision and to say, you know what, let's try it out. And then, you know, making it work that, you know, that's something special in itself. So, yeah, I mean, I think your wife is right. You, you are an artist. So, um, so with trying to figure out Photoshop and everything, you mm -hmm. know, lead into like, how difficult was that for you? Just, you know, setting up your designs <laughs> in the beginning. <laughs> Oh boy. Um, literally, I sat down in front of a computer with Illustrator, Photoshop, and about three different YouTube videos going at the same time, trying to figure out how to run these programs. And I was like bawling. I was literally crying my eyes out. Like, I will never get this. I'm in way over my head. I have no idea what I'm doing. And I was just like, I was freaking out. Um, and it's funny because I I remember the very first project that I had that I had a timeline on was uh, walkout shirts for um, uh, a fighter I was sponsoring, a, a friend of mine, Stephen Chang. And um, he he needed them by a specific time. So I had I literally had a deadline of like, I have to get this done. And I was working nights at the time. I stayed up after I got home for like 20 plus hours straight, sitting in front of my computer, figuring out how to do this and how to work these designs and how to use 
uh, my vinyl cutter and how to add cut lines and like how to lay this stuff out. And I was just like, it just, and it wasn't working. And then it was kind of, and then it like, it didn't work. And then, yeah, it was, it, there, there's a reason that people go to school to learn these programs because they are so massive. They are, they, um, there, there, there's definitely, there is a learning curve. And cool. even still now I'm, I'm constantly a student, just like jujitsu. I'm constantly learning new things with these programs and new ways to use them. And I'm sure the way I use them probably isn't like the best, like technically, but it works for me and it gets the job done. So, sure. and they're massive programs too. Like usually when I come up with a design or like 3d mock-up, that's all done in Photoshop. And then I have to export that to Illustrator to for a flat print pattern. And then that gets sent off to get printed. And so there's lots of variables with like color gamut, whether it's red, green, blue, or CMYK, and then just like tinting colors and changing colors. And just it's the material it's being printed on affects the color change too. So yeah, it's there's there's a lot to learn and i i just became a student of everything i became a student of the type of stitching that's on a rash guard the how to create a pattern for i was actually taking lessons from a lady on uh sewing just so i could learn what goes into making a rash guard and what goes into uh, making a quality pair of shorts and stuff like that so i just wanted to absorb a lot of that information just so i know and just to become more knowledgeable about it it's, it's like hearing that just lets you you know lets me know there are levels to this game and you know because you could again anyone can print a shirt with box of letters and say this is my shirt this is my rash guard you know these are my you know these are my tights you know but you know to get in their hands on and you know you're you're learning to sew you're you know figuring out that you know the material that the the shirts are printed on will affect the colors you know that's next level like jedi type <laughs> mind tricks at that point because you know me i go through you know just the regular distributor like hey so i got a shirt here can you make that yeah okay cool hey, hey shirt okay it, you know but there's no ownership to it there's no mm. you know it's like you know again looking at your designs i'm like like dude i want this i want that like <laughs> and, and, and even like just hearing the story now and then you know turn around and making a purchase is like you know that you know heart was put into this blood sweat and tears was put into this and what it's not just again just a like click click here okay cool like all right i just you know, screenshot of the design and dropped it here. Mm -hmm. There it goes. It sounds like, you know, you're really, you know, getting your hands into the mud and, and digging this up and bringing it to life. So that's amazing to hear. And it, it sounds like, like you said, you became a student, you know, of, of this, this arena, no different than jujitsu. So this sounds like that's, you know, as anyone that does jujitsu, you know, can, you know, probably, you know, speak to, it's like you relate it to the next thing over. And just like you said, you know, 
you you looked at it like you know you learn it here you have a setback there it's no different than when we're on the mats specifically at white belt and blue belt you know where we you know really take it personal because we feel like oh we suck we're never going to get oh, yeah. better <laughs> meanwhile the purples and brown belts you know they're going through it too but you know they're holding it in better but we're down there like man i'm a blue belt i guess it's time to quit bye <laughs> um so with your jiu-jitsu journey mm-hmm. and you said you're, you're coming up on 11 years yeah in training mm-hmm. what got you you know into to jiu-jitsu had you done any other martial arts prior to jiu-jitsu uh no actually um i always wanted to um when i was younger but i grew up pretty poor um i uh my parents actually owned a convenience store and um they uh in a small town so a lot of people think like oh your parents are rich you have they own their own business like yeah the town only had like eleven thousand people in it so it wasn't like we were rich by any means i was like yeah i got all the free slurpees i wanted but that was about it um but uh no I, i i grew up uh like pretty much as poor as you could be without being on food stamps and um luckily i had i had amazing parents though i as a kid not knowing that like i i I didn't want for anything we always had christmases we always had birthdays stuff like that i i have amazing parents and but i always wanted to get into it but there was always that financial thing right like to like do taekwondo it was like a hundred dollars a month or whatever it was at the time. And it's just like, my parents are like, you just can't, we can't afford it. And so I played a lot of sports. I played soccer uh, my entire life, indoor soccer, outdoor soccer, um, pretty much three seasons. I, I did traveling soccer. I did ev- literally everything I could do. Um, I played basketball a little bit. Um, I played a couple seasons of like uh, baseball as a kid. Um, I played tennis when I was in high school um but mainly my my main sport was soccer um and uh but then uh i i graduated high school went to a little bit of college um just community college and uh then i'm just getting a job and funny enough uh i actually started listening to podcasts because i had a lot of time to just kind of sit there Uh, the work i was doing was like all production work and so i um started listening to podcasts one of the podcasts i started listening to was joe rogan experience and if anybody listens to rogan enough he'll talk about jujitsu and he and these were the early days of rogan these were like when he was still sponsored by fleshlight rogan (laughs) no seriously like he was still like it was him and brian redband and they're in his office it wasn't i think I can't remember if it was still if they're still on the couch or not, but I think it, the, at least they're around the table in his office in his house. You could still like hear his kids running around in the background, and like you could hear his phone ring every once in a while, stuff like that. So I, I've listened to Rogan for quite a few years now, 10, 11, almost twelve years maybe. Um, but uh, he kept talking about jujitsu and how it's a great way to get into shape. It's a, it's a fun skill to learn. And I, uh, so I was like, I kept like thinking about it, thinking about it. The closest school was down in Eugene at the time, which was about an hour south, little, little under an hour south. And so I was like, oh, that's a little too far. But then there, 
I kind of came across that there was a hot box in uh, Corvallis uh, here in Oregon. And I was like, oh, that's that's like 10 minutes away, 15 minutes away. I can I can go there and did my first trial class. It's funny enough, my wife actually did a trial class with me. And she hated every minute of it. And she's like, yeah, I'm never doing that again. And I was like, I want to go back immediately. When is their next class? I, I literally signed up that day. And that that was, like I said, that was almost 11 years ago now. So I started listening to Joe Rogan. Oh, I don't it, uh, Same deal. I had a, you know, I was in a production job and just mm -hmm. sitting there. I think a buddy of mine actually mentioned Joe Rogan's podcast because I was listening to like Sure Dog. Mm, uh, yeah. They they had a podcast, but uh, and you know I'm listening to it, and you know they had fighters on, and uh, you know I always had interest in MMA and and UFC period at that point specifically, and you know trying to pay attention to other things like Bulldog and um, like Pride. Well, Pride was I think was done by that point, but mm. you know so yeah, Pride, like, Pride never die. <laughs> true that is true Pride never <laughs> now, um, not, now, now it's just one. <laughs> oh my goodness one is, <laughs> one's amazing like it, it's i i try to talk to my buddy who we co-host another podcast together and you know i'll start talking about one and he's just looking at me like a second head grew out of my neck and he was like okay <laughs> like, but but you but you can't tell me it's not ran or owned by some of the same guys that ran pride you, oh it has to it, it has to be there's so much money in that like where's all this money coming from it's not from pay-per-views i'll tell you that much no the, the, and, and they're they're paying top dollar especially for all their grappling guys mm -hmm. they're paying them good money which is cool but yeah. it's like where's where's this money coming from yeah it i always you know think about that with when it comes to one or any of the um you know, organizations over there in, in Asia, like they had Ryzen. It's like, okay, mm -hmm. what's going on with Ryzen? Cause there's <laughs> a lot of talks about, you know, um, pride resurrecting through Ryzen. And, you know, a lot of the guys who were, you know, beyond pastor prime, mm -hmm. you know, coming back to Ryzen, it's like, okay, well that makes sense though, because chances are they're, they're not checking for anything. So you go ahead and let Vidor come in there and kick another eyeball out. Yeah. No one's thinking twice about it. It's just entertainment. But, you know, and I think Ryzen is still going, but one is definitely, you know, the the head mm -hmm. uh, uh, MMA promotion, I, I think, what, South Asia? Yeah, yeah, and, Southeast Asia, yeah. And then also, I think, like, overall, just worldwide, I think like UFC is like the bigger name, mm -hmm. you know, here, you know, with us, but I think, you know, you go out over there and one, I, I think it is the big, you know, the bigger deal. So, well, it's because they get the, uh, they get all the uh, Chinese viewership too. So True. even if 1% of the population's watching it, what is that? 200 million, almost 200 million viewers. Jeez, so Lord. yeah, think about that. Like just their, the, the amount of people and it being like an Asian uh, Southeast Asian promotion, of course they're going to have, plus sure. then you have like Singapore, you have India, Pakistan, like a lot of those. And then, and then on top of like 
U.S. viewership of people that want to see U.S. fighters over there that have gone over there. Like Demetrius is, I think, what Demetrius Johnson's fighting. He fights in one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Gary, Gary Tonin. Yeah, yeah. Um, Brandon Vera. They have a bunch of really good fighters. Don't get yeah. me wrong; like they're they That's have some cool. very very solid fighters in it, and and I hear they take care of their fighters too. Like I said, they yeah. they're they're paying their people well, which is good. And that's like kind of my one gripe about UFC, right? That they kind of like kind of shit pay. Yeah, it's weird just thinking about UFC because again, that's the big name. Mm-hmm. You know, you get guys coming over saying, you know, it's it's kind of like uh, in pro wrestling, WWE is is the big ship, but there's other organizations that will pay guys. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I guess WWE is the top pair too, mm-hmm. but. The thing is, you know, there are guys that will work for a smaller organization, make less money, but have more freedom. But every mm-hmm. so often you get the guy that says, I want to be able to say I was a UFC champ or a WWE champ or, you know, because or it even, is. Or even just fuck. fought in the UFC, right? Like you can, yep. like if you own a gym and say, oh yeah, he fought in the UFC. It's like, oh, whoa, because mm-hmm. that U- the UFC has that brand recognition. It's, it's very similar to like having a gym, right? Like you could have like, I could open up Michael's jujitsu, but people are like, well, who the fuck are you? But if I open up a, a BTT or ATT or Gracie Baja or 10th planet, you're, there's a reason that you pay, um, that you pay to use those names is because those names have brand recognition, right? They, they built a brand around that and you're, you, you carry that with you. So I, I totally get it. I get why guys sure. want to fight in the UFC, even if they're not going to make a gazillion dollars. So, And I mean, again, you know, the big thing is, you know, especially when you get someone like Michael Chandler, who, you know, left Bellator, I'm sure he was, you know, making, you know, a pretty good amount over there, being the former champion over there, one of the top draws, signs with the UFC, and, you know, from the outside, you know, you, you could be thinking like, well, you know, why leave all that money behind? But again, he wants to test the skills against the supposed best in the world. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if if it counts for anything, the dude is super entertaining. I mean, he's a great fighter, too. But, you know, I haven't seen a fight with that guy in it that's, you know, not been action packed. So. You know, if it's like, look, I know I can bring something to the table at the very least, get on that UFC stage and get the eyes on me because Bellator, they, they have the contract with Showtime. And even when I had Showtime, I sadly wasn't really tuning in, at least not <laughs> live. Like I'd catch it like a couple of days later, like, oh shit, Bellator's on. But it's like when a UFC event hits, it's marketed, it's advertised in a way where you almost can't get away from it. So yeah, you know it, it makes sense. It, it just sucks again that they don't pay. You know, as as well as you know the name is out there. So, I actually uh, so I listen to uh, I do listen to one pod. So I, I still listen to quite a few podcasts. Um, but one of them I listen to is uh, Yo MMA Rap. Um, <laughs> a couple of uh, guys out of uh, New York that uh, do that one, and um, they were actually talking about that about like kind of the pay scales. And they they made this comment that made a lot of sense. That was like the highest paid people in the UFC have again that brand recognition. You have your Conor McGregor's, you have your um, 
just a, any anybody that's in the top, you're you're uh, in his in his prime. People knew who Yoel Romero was. People know who the Black Beast is. People know who George St. Pierre are. Those yep. there's a reason those people were making the money that they're making, and that the people on the undercard. Because how many how many UFCs have you watched that you're like, well, who who's this person? Like so, I, I've never I've never heard that person before, and so there's kind of a reason why they're only making. Sure, I'm not saying that they don't deserve more because they're literally <laughs> putting their bones online, but at the same time, it's just like, but are they bringing in the viewership? That well, that like a GSP or that a uh, uh, in her day Ronda Rousey like I remember watching UFCs just because Ronda Rousey was on the UFC. Like I don't I couldn't tell you who else was on that card. But I knew Ronda Rousey was on that card. So so it's funny. My buddy and I, we talked about this. Because we're talking about the pay scale boxing versus MMA. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the things that always gets brought up is like boxers make more than MMA fighters. And it's like, well, the top of the food chain boxers do. But the like the undercard boxers are actually making less than undercard UFC fighters. Exactly. Exactly. So it's a weird scale to kind of argue because again, I think, you know, you're out there putting, you know, your, your health and your safety on the line. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, you shouldn't be getting, you know, you shouldn't be working, you know, at Kinko's during the week and then going to get punched in the face on the weekend, you know, for, you know, for millions to see. Yeah, but, but then again, look, look at guys like Stipe. I mean, come on, <laughs> yeah. he's a, he's a full time firefighter, and he he had the belt, and like he was one one of the best. So like, well, so is Mighty Mouse. He he had yeah, the request he, off to go defend his title. Dude, I remember hearing that story. I was like, that's insane. That's crazy. It's uh, there was one other uh, Stipe. Oh, Shane Carwin. Shane yeah. Carwin. He yep. he was um an engineer. And, yeah. you know, like, oh, yeah, by the way, I got to go find the UFC uh, interim title fight this weekend. Like, uh, look who just had a fight, a Korean zombie. He, yeah. he took, what, three years off to do his, like, military service mm-hmm. in the North yeah. Korean Army or, or sorry, South, South Korean. And, like, that's crazy. Like, and then he came back to fight again. And, like, and he didn't look half bad. Like, that was yeah. that was what was shocking about that fight to me is, like, Sure, he he got pieced up, but I think a lot of that it was just like he 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 was holding his own, and but he just I don't know maybe the sport has just passed him by, and just like I think we're starting to see a lot more of that with like these older fighters is that the sport's kind of just passing them by. It's just these younger fighters are just too good, and like what is it? Uh, uh, time uh, time catches up with everybody. So sure, but think also with Korean Zombie like kind of to be fair he it's not like he came in to warm up fights when he came back no, he yeah. Like, yeah, oh, just yeah. Put, give me a talk to the guys like <laughs> yeah, exactly hey, slow slow down no 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 you slow down yeah. let me get in yeah. there with the top three guys like okay yeah, yeah okay. You, you get what you want right yeah i mean yeah. And, you know also you know this came up with the friend and i when we we're talking about you know the fight game as it's changing as as fighters are you know you look at a fighter like um Tony Ferguson, yeah, you know, for example, and he he didn't look bad against Chandler until mm-hmm. you know he got knocked out. But mm-hmm. I think there's some fighters where 
the game is moving and there's some fighters that are still in old school style yeah and they won't switch to what the new style uh new school style is so that new school style eats them up i i unfortunately think connor fell into that i will see when he comes back if he if he, if, if he comes back yeah if he comes back <laughs> he, he's talking a lot of smack but that's what he does but if he you know if he chooses to come back and if he you know makes the changes to kind of go with the game as it's moving it's like okay this dude's a bad motherfucker or if he's still fighting in you know in his old style yeah. and not moving because Dustin Poirier is an example of a guy who he's he's been around for a while and he's adjusting with the game. You and have to. Yeah, if you don't, then you're just going to be that guy who used to be. Dude, that's it's this I feel like it's a very similar thing with jiu-jitsu, right? Where mm-hmm. how many how many evolutions of jiu-jitsu how many evolutions of, of jiu-jitsu have you seen in in the years you've trained? Oh my god! It, it, right now, you're seeing like seven-year-olds coming in learning stuff that when I first started, that was like privileged information, you know. The, you look, know, to kind of yeah. get along that line. Look, look who's dominating right now. Look, look who just dominated ABCC West Coast Trials. Like I watched that one. Like I, I soaked up as much of that information as possible. Look, look who did so well. Look. J Rod, he's been training 18 months, but he's also been training with the best, and they're teaching him. He has the one of the toughest rooms. B team is literally one of the toughest rooms in the country to train in. Yeah. And you have absolute savages in there with his older brother, with Craig Jones, one one of the apparently one of the smartest new coaches is uh um uh Nikki Ryan apparently he's taking over like a coaching position there and like he was already an amazing grad he he's born and bred for jujitsu doing jujitsu for the last what eight nine years with his brother in at uh uh in new york like he he couldn't have a better upbringing for to have that jujitsu mind and apparently he's a phenomenal coach and you you just saw that with like what happened at West Coast Trials, you saw how well J Rod did, and and look at look at the Rotola brothers, yeah, just the, the and they're the nicest guys. I actually got to meet them last summer. Uh, we did our uh, Northwest Nogi uh, Summit at nice. uh, Ten Planet here in Portland. Um, mm-hmm. We have another one coming up, and it's just full of amazing instructors that I'm super excited for too. But this last one. Um, uh, the Rotola brothers uh, were did a seminar and it was, it was amazing. They're, they're really nice dudes, super down to earth and, and they're young too, man. Like, I'm just like, God, you're how old They're I, I think they're like, I don't even know if they're 20 yet, man. I think they're like 19, 20, somewhere around there. And they're just really well-adjusted dudes and just nice as nice can be. And, and just monsters, absolute monsters on the map. Like, the fact that what they can do on the mat, it's it's mind-boggling. Like how th- these younger generations, like you were saying, they're like it, it's something, it's something to behold. It's really like these are guys that guys and girls. Look at Grace Gundrum. Look at like yeah. any of these yeah. any of these younger girls that are coming up that are just absolute beasts on the mat. It's just like man, 
me me almost pushing 40 and i'm just like i'm just trying to like keep up with you guys man like it's it's yeah if if i knew what you guys knew like i didn't start jujitsu until i was 26 so like it's it it, it's it's great to see i love to see this it's all this like vitality and like the the younger generation like kids in the gym that are i have training partners that like i'm old enough to be their dad and it's just like oh my god like yeah this is all and you're you're doing awesome like you're killer blue belt you're killer purple belt like this is great man i'm i wish i had this when i was your age i hope you stick with it and stay with it it's it's amazing to see like you know that that just that transition too with the game because as you know we're you know we're the older guys in the gym Mm -hmm. and you know you know leading up to it you know there's kind of a hierarchy and you know now seeing these kids come up it gets really weird because as you're looking it's like you remember them as kids you see them grow as kids but there's like this this thing where it's like i gotta realize this is this is not just, you know, no longer a kid, but this is like a budding, like, assassin, you mm-hmm. know. I I always get nervous, even mm-hmm. though, you know, I, you know, I trust everyone on my team. I trust everyone in the gym. But there's just something unsettling, but also unsettling. It's humbling. It, it, it's all these weird things. Just knowing you're in a room full of, like, these these baby assassins. And, <laughs> And, and the thing is, it's in check too. Oh, it's yeah. not not like they're like you know 1985, you know Cobra Kai out there bullying kids, you know at Halloween. You know these kids, they have it in check. They have it dialed in where, yeah. you know, they bring it to the gym, they train, they practice, they get better, and then they apply the principles that they learn from jujitsu to everyday life. You know, work hard practice you know focus you know, you know those things and and it translates into real life and then they bring it back you know and it, it kind of feeds off of each other so mm-hmm. seeing that with the younger generation it's no wonder that the sport is growing and changing the way that it is because you know when you look at like the older school you know there are a lot of great older grapplers that are still changing with the game and growing with the game and putting out, you know, you know, new moves or, mm-hmm. you know, like putting out DVD sets and, you know, as they're learning it, I think that's the important thing too, is as you're older in the game, you know, it's okay to say, you know, Hey, there's a, a you know, a purple belt that can teach, you know, me a black belt something, or there's a blue belt that might have something to offer as well. So I'm always just impressed with this sport. And I don't know, I just feel like it, it's it's not even peaked. Yeah, it, it's still climbing. So I don't know. I just can't say enough good things about jujitsu and where where it's going. Yeah, it's 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 great to see. And I think I think the live sparring aspect of it is what really helps that like you get to learn a thing you get to try a thing and you have this immediate feedback 
that is like, oh, this works, or oh, this doesn't work. I need to adjust and move forward type thing. And I think that like really relates with, especially, I know, I feel like as a society, we're kind of like, we need this, this constant input type thing. And I think jujitsu kind of feeds that, that you're always learning something new. Yep. And I know like, I'm, I'm incredibly ADHD. I'm, I'm like, I apparently I have been my whole life and I just kind of like self-diagnosed over the last couple of years to realize like, oh, there's a reason that I, I deep dove into the business when I first got in is like, oh, that's because my brain like hyper focuses on things and uh, overly obsesses on things. So, but I also like that type of, I feel like there's a lot, I feel, I feel like I'm not the only person in jujitsu that's ADHD. I feel like it kind of like lends. It's also one of the few times like with live sparring, it's one of the few times that like my brain is actually kind of calm. You know, that I just, I was thinking about that the other day too. I was in a very bad position Mm -hmm. and it it just, I was calm, you know, Mm -hmm. because you know, I'm, I'm focused on getting out of it, but it's not a panic. It's like, Mm -hmm. all right, look for the exits, you know, where can you frame? There's a frame right there. Cool. All right. Now, all right. Shimmy just a little bit. All right. Now you got a hip. All right. Cool. Now escape, you know, versus, you know, anything else. I'm just like, I'm all over the place. Like, okay. Yeah. You know, find something to focus on and go. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I definitely think probably more than, <laughs> you know, more than half the people out there on the mats has some form of ADHD. And yeah. like you said, it, you know, it, it's, self-diagnosed you know we might not even know it until we kind of pick up on the clues it's like oh snap yeah it's it's funny uh i, I find myself reposting uh uh adhd memes quite a bit and this kind of like and it's just like even just realizing that and like making that point of like oh yeah i have this so and like i'm sure like just about anybody else i'll be sitting in class like learning a technique and then my mind just like kind of starts to wander a little bit and then like and then right before feels like, okay, does anybody need to see that again? It's like, oh yeah, me. I, I need to see that again because I've just like drifted off. Like, okay, now I got it. And then even like when we go to like start drilling, I'm like, now what was that again? Oh yeah. <laughs> it's, and it's just I'm definitely me. Yeah, exactly. And so it just but like but just because I keep showing up, I'm eventually it's going to like get into my brain and like even even like this week, we our our modules, our uh, our curriculum kind of works in like two week modules. Like we'll go over something for two weeks. We basically, you go over the offense for the first week and the defense for the second week, usually. Okay. And uh, I think it's like I believe it's six or six or eight modules altogether. And um, but and I've and I've been training there long enough that I've gone through all the modules dozens of times. And so now. Uh, even even so this week's module um is uh rubber guard and i'm one of the few people in the gym that is fairly proficient i i not to toot my own horn but like i'm i'm one of the few guys that is actually pretty proficient with rubber guard in our gym and a lot of people are aware of that to like stay out of my rubber guard and um but even this week like phil 
one of the great things about training with Phil is that he's always bringing new details to even say something as, as like kind of wrote as rubber guard and like even me somebody that like plays a lot of it like oh i can use that and i can add that to my game and so like it's it's kind of like that video game that never ends right like you're there's there's no end game to it right you're always and that goes back to what we were saying before right like you said it's always evolving it i early on thought about jujitsu in just those terms like a video game because mm -hmm. it's like, you know, you know, you take Super Mario Brothers as a kid. You know, I, I don't, I'm watching my daughter right now go through this. She mm -hmm. just turned six and she's playing Super Mario Brothers. And well, no, now she's into Sonic. Oh, so nice. first level of Sonic the Hedgehog. She gets through pretty easy. Like she, she had her, her moments and she's running through <laughs> struggles, but she learned the pattern. Mm -hmm. it's like okay she gets to the first first level second level you know she's evolving she's growing with it and I, I always looked at white belt that way when i was a white belt i remember learning everyone's moves i learned mm -hmm. everyone's tendencies yeah just, i everyone in the gym i knew what they were going to do it's just pattern recognition yeah and then one of our guys he disappeared for i want to say three months or something he came back and he moved different mm -hmm. and he beat the piss out of me. And that's when I thought to myself, I was like, you know what? I don't know. And I realized I was like, I don't know jujitsu. I know patterns. Mm -hmm. His pattern changed, but mm -hmm. you know, connecting that to the video games, it, you know, it's the same thing though. You know, each of them, you know, were each of my teammates, they were a level and it's just like, okay, I know where to jump here. I know where mm -hmm. to, you know, slide here. I, I know, you know where the warp zone is here and like okay cool move to the next one the next level and so forth until someone changes it up on you then it's like okay are you going to evolve with the game or are you going to you know i'm just going to go back and play level one you know so you you have to either choose the you know keep growing with it or say you know what i'm going to be the best white belt that they've ever seen <laughs> so or move up and say all right time to get that blue belt and then and then it starts over because you can yeah. play that same game of i'm going to be the best blue belt you've ever seen okay well if you're going to be the best blue belt why don't you go ahead and become the worst purple belt now and then grow at purple and, and so forth yeah. Yeah. so well and, and and i i definitely agree with you it's like you you, you know you recognize those levels once you get to those right mm-hmm yeah and and even that black belt man like i i've seen some black belts out there that are like the world-class black belts right and then you see some black belts out there that are like you never evolved like black belts that don't play that don't deal with heel hooks black belts mm -hmm. that are just like kind of just kind of stuck in the past like you were saying even like that can happen with like mma fighters too you have to evolve yeah. like i i know i I have training partners that I would put up against quite a few higher belts as like, Oh yeah, I'll put money on them all day long. Like, and they're like purple and brown belts. And like, yeah, that, I, I'll you want to bet a hundred bucks. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's just how I feel. That's like, 
but that's the thing though too it's like having that belief and that confidence you know yeah. and recognition in your guys because mm-hmm. you know where i train at you know here in maryland but you know and i said it on the last episode i said it on many episodes and i don't care it, it's i believe in my team i think mm-hmm. my team is the Definitely. best team especially in the state of maryland i don't think yeah. there's a better gym and yeah. you know again the evidence that i use with that is you know sending them out to competitions and actually coming back with hardware like not just the local competitions, but like send them to world, send them to Pan, send them to the Europeans. And then they come back with hardware and it's like, okay, you know, they're out there competing with the toughest guys and gals. Yeah. And, you know, and, and again, it's not to be a dick to the other gyms near us because we have a lot of gyms around us. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't see you guys doing that. You know, I see you guys doing the local tournaments and good. It's, you know, it's good to do some sort of tournament, some kind of competition. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay. Again, like like the belt ranks. It's like, okay, you can be the best white belt. That's cool. Do you want to move up to blue belt though? Or do you want to stay mm-hmm. the best white belt? And then yeah. so forth. So, you know, I look at my guys at, you know, out of 88, and I'm like, you know what? I I I'd put my money on any of them any day of the week. And it is from just recognizing and seeing them on the mats and seeing them putting in the hard work. You know, you see your guys putting in the hard work, and it's like Look, I know, you know, if they went up against, you know, you could take a, a modern day, you know, good, really good purple belt and put them up against, you know, a black belt from you know, 10 years ago, maybe even less. And they're going to give them a run for their money, if not beat them, because the oh, game sure. has moved in such a weird way. And if that black belt hasn't, you know, continued to sharpen their, their sword, then... It's it's going to be a, a long day for them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So no, and I I totally agree with that. It's just it's also like uh, I've I've been lucky enough to like kind of travel around a little bit and like visit some schools and stuff like that. And it's good to see that like I and I've heard like horror stories. I was having this discussion with a friend of mine. I've heard these horror stories of like people traveling and then just like going to like horrible gyms and just like weird gyms and stuff like that. Like, dude i've never had that experience maybe i've just been super lucky but like every gym i've been to has been everybody's been like chill and laid back and cool and i've gotten really good training with them and like i've never had like any weirdness so like i don't know but like to see that it's and i think that i think the internet has had so much to do with that like how you were talking with like jordan and nikki about like seeing their content so much i feel like it's really interesting like we'll be like training something during a week. And then like either like a week later, I'll see dozens of videos of that all over Instagram. And it's just like, we were just working that as like, is there this like weird, like collective brain of like all of jujitsu kind of working very similar stuff all at the same, at least like just maybe just what I'm seeing, maybe it's confirmation bias. I don't know what it is, but it's just like, or is it like one of those things like you buy a red car, you see a red car everywhere. So yeah, I think there's a jujitsu hive mind out there. Where it's like, I really, I, I agree. Yeah, you know, it's like, all right, we're going to work on K guard, and then all of a sudden, and but also, you know, when it comes to social media, though, there is the algorithm that'll pick up what you're looking at, mm. and then it's going to feed you that all the time. <laughs> you know, I, I have a lot of accounts. Most mm. of them are jiu accounts, but yeah. I have a couple others, uh, a food account, a horror movie account, um, a beer review account, you know, just all these different accounts. 
and they're they're all interconnected. So if I look at jujitsu on BJJ Wiki, mm-hmm. and I go to Kalampton Social Club, I'm getting fed jujitsu stuff over there too. Yeah, it's me like, too. Yeah, it's like come on, like, like <laughs> let me live a little. Yeah. But, well, it's funny, like uh, you're saying about like the algorithm. So I just started doing uh, Muay Thai uh, about four or five weeks ago. And I uh, just started training Muay Thai. My wife um, has been doing Muay Thai for quite a few years now. And um, she took some time off and then has gotten back to it now that uh, I'm doing it. And so we hit it up in the morning twice a week. And those videos have started picking up in my feed of like footwork drills and movement drills. And it was funny because she was kind of getting grumpy at me because she was like, why are you getting so good so quick? I was like, well, one, it's because that's how my ADHD manifests itself. Like I just, I absorb things really that I'm into and I like, like I overanalyze them Two, I'm watching a bunch of videos on Instagram all the time of like footwork drills and movement drills. It's like, oh, okay, well that answers that. So, but, but she was also happy. She was, she was a little grumpy and a little happy. She was a little grumpy. She was like, why are you so good so quick? And then she was like, oh, well, that's cool. It's, it's, it's something that we can do that like, we can we can train together in the garage or if it's nice out we can go out in the yard and like we can we can work our flows and work our drills and work our combinations and stuff like that so it's just it's really fun and it's also just fun to do too it's a great workout not not to have to like have mats and roll around which i do have mats but it's just like it's a whole nother thing too so yeah there's definitely you know uh like with jujitsu like we're saying with the sparring aspect of it you know, sparring and jiu-jitsu, you can go 90% mm-hmm. and, and be safe and, and, yeah. and, you know, not get hurt. And it's a different workout, though, whereas with mm-hmm. Muay Thai, you can't necessarily do that in sparring, but there's also mm-hmm. a different movement, a different flow, you know, to Muay Thai that, you know, you're not going to necessarily have the same feeling that you would have mm-hmm. with jiu-jitsu. I, I only did Muay Thai very briefly when I'd separated my rib. I was like, I, I can't be on the mats. You know, my yeah. doctor said two weeks. I was like, yeah, uh, I'm no doctor, but I can tell you right now, this is more than two weeks, buddy. That rib <laughs> is detached. So oh. I went to Muay Thai and, you know, it was still affecting the rib, but not as mm-hmm. much. So, yeah. you know, but there was a different feel. Even when I would mm-hmm. come home from class, like my body just felt, you know, like, my energy felt different. So mm-hmm. it is good that, you know, you have, you know, the experience with both of them, you know, more so with jujitsu, but now you, you've been working into Muay Thai. So that's gotta be a really interesting, just, you know, flow between the two of them, uh, you know, going from one to the other. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting to just being a white belt all over again. It's, it's fun. It's yeah. like, it literally is like my cup is completely empty, man. And I have, I have a really good coach, uh, my coach, Ethan, he's a really, really good coach and super nice guy, super laid back. And it's just like, it's so great to like, and then have just like good training partners too. And it's just like, I'm just like, I want to take it very slow. I just want to learn the movements and I just want to like, and, and having my wife, even my wife, she's a good instructor too. Like she's, she's teaching me the flows and teaching me like, and she's even like said little things like, Oh, I learned it this way, but this is incorrect. So don't learn it this way. Learn it this way. 
And so you know the right way to do it. And so it was just like, oh, well, thank you. And see, and that, that ha- having that type of feedback even is like, but it's just, it's, it's so fun to be, to just learn a new thing that's still in like that physical space. It's still at the gym. It's still with a lot of the same training partners. And so it's just like, it's very fun to like, be able to like, oh, this is something totally out of my skill set. I've never done really strike. I have done like a few privates for striking before, but like, that like actually like, and I, I want to do this. Like I want, I want to, it's, it's kind of given new blood into like a physical activity, which has been really fun. So. Good. Like the, the neat thing too, like you're saying is being a white belt all over again. It, it's, mm-hmm. it's fun just to absorb just mm-hmm. all that info because, you know, you have an empty cup and you're mm-hmm. just putting stuff in there. And I think also an important thing is like you said, with your wife, showing you it one way and saying, look, this is how I learned it. It's wrong, you know, but it works for me. I think that's really important because there, there are people out there, you know, that'll teach you, you know, the wrong way and say, you know, you know, this is one way to do it, but look, this is how I like to do it. And it's like, just because you like to do it doesn't mean it works because the body types, I had a teammate, you know, really, really good at jujitsu, but Look, I have little short T-Rex arms and legs. I, <laughs> you know, it's it, it's embarrassing. Like when it was like, okay, we're gonna work on darts chokes this week, and I'm like, fuck, like <laughs> we have to. Like, do I have to do it? Like, I, I got a handicap here, but um, you know, my one teammate would always show me, you know, if I'm trying to work on something, like we'll go to open mat together. I, mm-hmm. you know, well, really, what it is, I just show up to the gym. I had the key at the time. I was like, hey, let's just drill. And as I'm trying to drill certain sweeps, he's like, well, no, do it this way. Cause if you're doing it in a live role, you're not going to have the opportunity to do it the way you're doing. And I'm like, well, dude, you have long legs. You can get away with that. I cannot, I have to actually, you know, really throw my hips up to shoot a triangle because I got little legs and you know, that's when it kind of clicked for me then too. It's like, wait a minute, the body type, it's, you know, it, you know, as I'm growing in a sport at that time, too, it was like, you know, being a white belt and, you know, absorbing all this information, having an empty cup, realizing, wait a minute, body types are different. So, yeah, you may know it that way because it works for you. But, yeah, you got to teach it the right way because at least give the, the correct base. The start oh, yeah, from. for sure. Yeah. And I'm very that's one thing when I the 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 small amount of teaching well i don't even say small about the the amount of teaching that i've done i'm i'm very aware of that too in saying that like well this works for me because i have i'm i'm a six foot two 175 pound frame so i'm i'm tall and fairly thin so these things work for me they're not necessarily going to work for you but this works for me and to like kind of like give give that context to is also like i think that like kind of shows awareness doesn't it that like shows awareness of like oh this is how you can do a move but at the same time like i know that like this doesn't work for everybody so i'm not just like well you do x and if it doesn't work for you you're just not doing it right type thing and that's that's one thing that like phil is really good about too and he just kind of breaking down about like well, th- why does this work for this or or any of the instructors for that matter at our gym um 
they're they're always very aware of because we have everybody from 200 and probably 60 pounds down to 100 100 pounds of like size wise because our gym is so big that we have like and then all all skill levels from black to white first day white belt like we have multiple black belts and so it's just like there's there's such a wealth of knowledge there but then there's also like it's also great because just having all those training partners too that i get to try out like oh why can't i put you in lockdown oh because your leg is a foot shorter than my leg so i have to like kind of like change some stuff or like why did you slip out of my ashi or what uh why why were you able to get me a head and arm and i wasn't able to defend oh because you're as wide as you are tall so like it's just it's and also just having having skill level and then having all those body time it's great to have like that as a training partner because you get to and i try my best to like try and train with as many different body types as possible as well to like oh i want to train and i kind of like I tend to like kind of go for more of the bigger guys because I am a taller guy, but at the same time, I don't know, like there's some, I always kind of feel bad for some of the bigger guys because like, I feel like a lot of people are kind of afraid to roll with them that they like, Oh, they're so big. They're going to crush me or hurt me or what have you. But I, I'm, I'm honoring enough and big enough that I can like, they can they can kind of do whatever they want to me and i'm i'm pretty much okay and i'm also high enough skill level that like i can hold my own with a larger guy that's a lower belt so it's like okay yeah just t- take that on a, out on me and we can go from there type thing so it's just it's it, having that ability to like kind of like oh i can kind of roll with anybody is like it, it's it's good to that's like I kind of don't know where I kind of lost my train of thought there, but just like be, being able to like have like those different body types in the gym is, is definitely handy. Like you were saying, with just like what works for one person doesn't necessarily work for another person. So, well, like, have you, have you ever had that training partner that like you just can't like guillotine because they have no neck? I, I am that training partner. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it's just like, you have no neck. Well, I guess I'm, I'm going for something else. I'm, I'm, I'm going for your legs, man. Sorry. Like yeah. you're, you're getting knee barred. That's just how it's going to be. <laughs> and the thing is, I accept that because I know I have a short stocky neck. So it's tough to get me in a lot of different chokes. And my shoulders are relatively flexible. So, all right, you go for the Kimura, you know, that's probably not going to affect me. But as soon as I figure you touch my leg, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to just tap now. You don't, <laughs> you don't have to even I, I see you just I'm tapping now we're friends let's start over reset <laughs> uh, so you know just kind of thinking about that though too like you're saying with having the different body types to train with I think that's just important period though mm-hmm. oh for sure just because when you're doing this, if you're trying to help somebody, you know, along their way, it's a great resource to be able to kind of reference back to that saying, Hey, you know, this move right here, you know, again, you're going to get a guy who has no neck. It's going to be tough to get that choke. So you might have to adjust in this way where, 
got to get away from a choke, you know, especially when you're working with white belts and even some blue belts, you have to, you know, you know, give the reminder, like, it's not so much that you're giving up on something. It's just that you need to now find a different path. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's not everyone can be choked. That, so. that too. I, there are, I have teammates that are, there are certain things that they won't tap to. And I'm like, and now that I know that I'm sure you deal with that same thing. You have like the, those guys with like extra flexible shoulders or just like, like, they their defense on one thing is just that good just like well i just know that like i could try it but like it's not necessarily like not high percentage so yeah, i had a guy the other day uh, in an in ezekiel mm-hmm. and i know it was in mm-hmm. <laughs> he's just refusing to tap and it's like dude we're practicing i'm i'm not gonna put you to sleep over this so you know i let go and you know he he continued to work out of mount and you know it's mm-hmm. like you know what at the end of the day, again, like I just said, we're practicing. What am yeah. I doing? Like, let me work with this guy to, you know, I still kept the pressure because, you know, yeah. on, on Mount. So he had to really work to get out. But it's, it's in my head. I'm like, um, you know, did I do myself a disservice by not, you know, sticking with the submission, you know, and, and just remind myself, hey, we're in practice or, you, you know, because what if, you know, I'm in a competition, you know, and I'm in that situation now. It's like, okay, I got this guy. All right, it's taking a little longer. All right, you know, we might got to put this dude to sleep. But I've conditioned myself in the in the training room now. It's like, well, I don't want to put this guy to sleep. He's my training partner. But again, in competition, you know, the gears are a little different. But still, it's like, you know, you you have to be able to make adjustments. If it ain't working here, like I said, it's not so much that you're giving up on something maybe go to, you know, okay, can't get this choke. Let me go ahead and see if I can get, you know, Americana locked in here or something, or, you know, let's go for an arm bar. You know, there are other avenues to take and you, the body type is going to dictate that too. Mm-hmm. So th- there's a lot to it. I'm, I'm glad I'm not the only one that like faces that dilemma of like, because you kind of want to like, I think you and I have both been probably training around about the same amount of time. Right. And just like, yeah. And when I started, I feel like a decade ago that it was kind of more of a school of hard knocks, right? Like people didn't like, it was like, Oh, you're getting smashed and you're going to get smashed and we're going to smash you some more. And if you still stick around, we might give you a blue belt type thing. And I feel like nowadays I, which that's one way to come up right to and that that breeds a certain a certain toughness but at the same time it's probably probably not the healthiest way to come up because i'm sure a lot of people quit that would have been good grapplers if they were brought up in a more controlled environment a more supportive environment right it wasn't like this old school, oh, we're just Hulk smash all the time type thing. And so like, I, I definitely come up with, I have that same dilemma of like, oh, am I going to like really dig my fist into this guy's throat just because I know I can, or am I going to like switch to something else? And like, and there's like moves that are like a little bit more like, 
I don't know, like more of like a dick move, like a muffler or like a face crank or yeah. like those type of things that people are like, although those are, those are me. I'm like, yeah, but aren't we still kind of like practicing fighting here? And like, those are legal in, in certain competitions. So why is that? Like, why are we like not leaving that out there? So it's just, and then, but then at the same time, I also want, I, I definitely deal with that. Like, Oh, am I being a dick or am I not being a dick? And I want to be like, I don't know. So it's just, I'm, I'm glad I'm not the only one that kind of like has that same dilemma on the mat. Yeah. It, it's a weird one because, you know, so the guy I was rolling with the other day specifically, it was a group of three. So I, mm. uh, you know, uh, our one partner, he was a brown belt. Uh, I'm a blue belt, and then this guy, he's a white belt. And the brown belt, he's like, when we're drilling, the guy was kind of being a little difficult. It's like, dude, like we're just drilling, trying to get the muscle memory there. And the brown belt goes, dude, you're a pain in the ass right now. So then when it came time to roll, you know, that was kind of already built into our head. This guy's that guy who doesn't want to tap because he doesn't want to be seen as like, oh, you tapped in practice. Whereas I'm rolling with the brown belt. He got a paint or a Americano on me. And, I, you know, I let it go a little bit because it's like you still want him to kind of work for it. You know, it's a brown belt. It's like, you know, I'm going to make the brown belt work for nothing. He, he made his point, you know, mm-hmm. so, you know, attack because it's like, yeah. it's, it's the practice room. There's no medals being handed out in the practice room. Mm-hmm. So now we get to the white belt. I roll with the white belt and, you know, quick sweep, side control, jump to mount. You know, not quickly, but, you know, had to work to get to those spots. And I go to the Ezekiel and I was like, you know, and then it was kind of, you know, remembering back, like, you know, this guy, he's he's probably not going to tap and you don't want to put him to sleep, you know, so let's just, you know, move on. But I think there's something that can hinder you there as well in the training room if you're the guy that won't tap as well and not just injury. But, you know, there is kind of this this weird false sense of, I don't want to say toughness, but there's this weird sense of, I don't think invincibility is the word either, but because I went through this, you know, years ago when I first started, you know, I'm just out there. I'm not getting tapped, you know, to some of the weirdest things. And it's like, maybe I should have been tapping. But it was just like whatever pride was in my head. And now when I see white belts doing it, it's like, it's not a matter of pride on either side of the table. It's a matter of knowing like, okay, you're caught. You might be stuck in a position mm-hmm. and maybe it's not so much that, you know, it's hurting you or doing damage, but you're just stuck there. I, I remember there was a young lady. She trained there every so often. And from what I understand to this day, I'm still the only person she's ever tapped. Cause she had me in some weird lock. She doesn't know what she had. I don't know what she had, but I know I couldn't get out. It wasn't hurting me, mm-hmm. but we were going to sit there the entire round if yeah. I didn't tap. So, it, you know, it was just one of those things where it's like, it's not about pride. It's about, Hey, let's just reset tap. You, you won this round. Exactly. And, yeah. And it's just like, it's, it's just going down that path and then realizing the path has like an end and you're just like, Oh, well, I guess we're turning around and just try again. Yep. And, and that's, you know, also the thing too, it's like, okay, now that I know 
once we get to that spot, we're at a stalemate. You know, I'm not getting out of there. I don't want to get there again. Or if I'm the one on the offensive, well, I know this guy's not going to tap to that. So we're not going to go back to that spot. Mm -hmm. Let's just go. Let's attack something else. Like I said, they're different avenues. So just that's that's the beauty of jujitsu. There's just yeah. so much in 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 the the arsenal to play with. And it's it's and like we said before, it's it's always evolving. Like mm -hmm. how how we would look at like Kimuras a decade ago is not how we look at Kimuras now. Or yeah. the the evolving of rubber guard over the last decade. Like the path that I learned is not necessarily the path that's being taught now. And like they like I still play London and a lot of people like I'll get to that position in rubber garden like what is that and like oh this is London it's a control position and I like it just because it protects my knee and it's just it works well for me and there but they don't necessarily teach that in the path and so it's just like it's or I remember when I first learned Ashi I learned Ashi Garami from watching YouTube videos and I realized later that my Ashi was garbage because I was missing details of it. And now even and Ashi's kind of like or single leg X or whatever you want to call it, like even that's changed quite a bit too. So like and it's just it's the growth of the sport. It's just the changing, the always always evolving and not and it's it what's so cool is like I think it's like anything, right? It's like technology, it's exponential because yeah. you have so many people trying to figure out new things, figure out what does or doesn't work. And like we saw this evolution of the buggy choke and like it changing and like, oh, how many people hit it at West Coast Trials? I think there was like four successful people hitting it at West Coast Trials. One kind of unsuccessful hit. Yes. <laughs> and like I and I'm actually coming off an injury uh from my knee from doing a buggy choke. And it wasn't that I did it wrong or anything. It was just my body just did. And, I'd, and I've hit it multiple times before. But for some reason, my knee just was like, nope, we don't like you. And so now I kind of have like a little bit of a sprain in my knee from it. So, but it's it's also just like my age as well. The, the decade of jujitsu on my body. So, but yeah, just like seeing the evolution of the sport and seeing like, where it comes and and how that how the training rooms have changed and how like yeah. when when i started it was just like well everybody's learning in the room is learning jiu-jitsu and now at 10th planet we have a fundamentals class while simultaneously we have an all levels class going and then after that all levels class we have an advanced drilling class or a comp team class alternating monday wednesday and tuesday thursday and so it's like oh back in my day it was two classes a week everybody just does everything type thing. So it's, and you see that more and more and more now with like what, and I kind I always joke with like people that have like maybe been doing it for six months. I'm like, Oh, you're so spoiled. Like I had two days a week. You have six days a week, seven days a week. If you want, you have a dozen gyms within 20 minute driving, no matter what you want to train, how you want to train, where you want to train, what time of day you want to train. Like our art school has what four classes a day of like basically if you really wanted to you could do four classes a day four days a week and three classes on Friday or two classes on Friday rather and then a Saturday class plus plus now we have wrestling from a very very skilled wrestler that is teaching our wrestling class 
and so it's just like yeah it's it's great i think it's wonderful i i think that i feel like a lot more gyms are realizing that too and i i see this evolution of women's classes is great too like the the all women's classes that uh, i love to see that and my my wife really enjoys those classes and i see a lot of women in those classes that only train those classes and i'm like that's great i'm i'm so happy that they've found a space that they've that they find is safe comfortable and encouraging and inviting for them and i i think that's wonderful and i i have heard some people say that they're they're not big on like the separation of the classes but i i think there's a place for everybody right so sure it's and and that kind of goes into like gi and no gi type stuff too right like some people like the gi some people like no gi train whatever you want it's just more jujitsu isn't it it's i mean at the end of the day it's all grappling yeah and whether it's in the gi out of the gi whether it's wrestling or jujitsu and yes there are differences but at the end of the day it's grappling mm -hmm. and that's what we're here for i mean when you look at, you know, as we've been talking about the evolution of this game and the growth of this game, whether it be, like you said, it used to be, you know, two classes a week. And now, you know, the plethora of classes that you all offer, you know, it, it's crazy to think, you know, I started, what year? We're in 2022. Mm -hmm. My daughter's six. So I think I started seven years ago. So, yeah. Yeah, we'll say seven years ago. That sounds about right. That's, that's as close as it's going to get out. I don't know numbers <laughs> anymore. But, you know, when I started, you know, it, it wasn't even a thought in my head of, you know, jujitsu being, especially our gym and where it's at now and just how it operates. Because, you know, our gym, you know, you know, just, you know, a nice little, you know, close knit, you know, small gym. And, you know, we've grown and, you know, attached, you know, with another, you know, local gym as well. And just looking at the setup and just looking at the classes offered, looking at the diversity that you see in the training room, you know, whether it be, you know, women, men, you know, you know, the teens that are, you know, growing into their own now, you know, you've had, you know, classes where, you know, we'll have, um, you know, people on the spectrum, you know, in their training and, and doing extremely well. And it's like, you know what? It's for everyone. You know, we get out there, we embrace it. And, and you know, jujitsu is different for each and every one of us. And we find a way to make it our own, whether it be, you know, the, the hobbyist, you know, the hardcore competitor, you know, the person who's just looking for an, a workout or the person. I, I remember meeting a guy at a party my friends, I guess they're married now. That's crazy. Um, my my friend's husband and, you know, I'm over there drinking, you know, a Miller Lite, just minding my own business because I don't do parties. And, you know, they come over and it's like, yeah, Dante does jujitsu. And I think at this point I might have been maybe two years in, maybe a year and a half. And a guy comes over and he said, yeah, I was looking to add something new to my workout. You know, I was thinking to maybe do it like once, maybe every three weeks or something, just kind of to cycle it in. And I was like, I mean, once you start it, if you're like most of us, you're going to get obsessed. And that once every three weeks goes out the window. Yeah. Because I, I started with that mindset, too. I'll do it <laughs> once in a while. And I could only go once per week for the first year just because of my schedule. Mm -hmm. 
But as soon as that schedule opened up, I was there every fucking day. It, yeah. it got to a point where my wife had to tell me, it's like, hey, so your daughter hasn't seen you all week. You might yeah. want to, you know, maybe come home. This is like oh, the only time I would see her in the morning before yeah. they left. Yeah, I, I had uh, I had that conversation a couple of times with my wife in, in different uh, times of our uh, marriage about like how much am I training and how much. And it's it's also it's just like jujitsu. It's like finding that balance, right? Like, yeah, finding a balance of everything. And it's it, we always joke. My wife and I always joke just because we've been in this in these communities for so long that like, oh, you seem to always bring everything back to jujitsu. It's like, well, it's kind of like a it's a mirror. It's a it's a reflection. It's it's what I know best. And it's what what I feel like it, it, it does. It just does transfer over to so many different things, so many different ways to like reflect on life and in with everything going on. So it's just it's yeah, it, it, it is very interesting to see that, to see like the growth of the sport and the changing of the sport. And like it's funny, like I even think about like you were asking me a little bit about like apparel and stuff like even apparel has changed. Like yeah. I remember people, people wearing like Under Armour rash guards and like basketball shorts. Like you watch old videos of Jeff Glover in his, that's also Jeff, but like in his like wife beater and like basketball shorts out there, just murking fools. And, but now like there's probably a hundred gear companies in America alone. And it's just like, but that's great. Like, and I'm, I'm all for that. Just like jujitsu there, there's, there's no shortage and it's good to have an abundance of things because it rises the water level. If somebody comes mm-hmm. out with a better product, I want to come out with a better product. If somebody's better at jujitsu, I want to be better at jujitsu. If I get tapped in the training room, that's my, that's me. That's, that's my lack of something. What did I screw up? What did I, what did I do wrong? is this person training that many more days than me? Well, yeah, but at the same time, like I also need to be prepared for that situation too. Right. And I need to not put myself in that situation. So it's just, yeah, jujitsu is a really great way of like, it's a good reflection on life and a great mirror for life. Yeah. It's whenever I think about anytime I think about any problem, whether it be at work, whether it be uh, really only at work and jujitsu, have too much other in between. But you know, any kind of obstacle I encounter, you know, it boils down to really what would I do if I were on the mats? And this, you know, if this situation is translated to a situation on the mats, how would I address it? You know, and like I said, jujitsu is just that thing where we make it our own thing. No matter mm-hmm. how you count it, whether it be, you know, I'm playing basketball and, you know, I got a weird matchup, you know, do I try to go head on with that matchup or do I try to take advantage of, you know, my strengths against their weaknesses? That's the same thing on the mat. It's like, okay, you know, I got short arms and a, and a stocky neck. Well, guess what? I'm probably not getting arm barred and I'm probably not going to get choked today. So those are advantages that I have to use. You yeah. know, versus I, I know if they get a hold of my leg, though, you know, there's not much I could do. Protect your legs. But, you know, it, it's just me having little legs, though. It's like if I'm able to get that triangle. It's it's, you know, 
a bad time for other guys. Just I can't get the triangle. We got little legs too. <laughs> I've been this tall since fifth grade. I've been I'm five foot nine, <laughs> and they they promised me those doctors promised me he's going to be tall. He's going to play basketball because that's what that's what every you know kid in Detroit wants to hear. You know, yeah. growing up, it's like, oh, you're going to be tall. And you're going to play basketball. Nope, not this guy. Instead, I was short, played basketball, wasn't good. Played football, was okay. Said, so let me go do jujitsu instead. Ha ha, I got short arms. This is my home. So there we have See, it. It's funny. Yeah, I was like 5'9", like all through high school. And then I hit like a growth spurt, like right after high school, like my first, second year of college. And I grew literally like four inches, four or five inches in like two years. It was insane. It was it was weird to like grow, have like this weird growth spurt later on after high school. I couldn't even gain weight. Like I was mm-hmm. I was 150 pounds mm-hmm. from fifth grade up. And I remember I remember being in eighth grade and I was still kind of in that tall kid group. I wasn't mm-hmm. the tallest, but I was amongst them. I remember getting to high school. I remember going to JV football thinking Hell yeah, I'm about to be the best receiver this school's ever seen. I remember getting out there and seeing other freshmen and sophomores that were like two, three, four inches taller than me. And I was just like, hmm, this kind of isn't what I was expecting. And, <laughs> you know, thinking, okay, well, people haven't grown first. I'll get mine. I'll get mine. And never came. Did, nope. Only, only growth spurt, only growth spurt that I got was. Once I discovered how much I love pastries, yeah. <laughs> and what yeah. what what's your what's your go to pastry? Oh man, I've never seen a honey bun that I didn't like. <laughs> if you say honey bun, I'm. If you say honey, I'm there before you get the bun out your mouth. Like I'm there. I'm like just give me. And and I got people telling me other ways they have. Like I got a buddy. Every time I see him, I see him like maybe once every other year. Um, he'll say, dude, have you tried the honey bun with butter on it in the microwave? I was like, you're just teaching me other ways to get fat. Stop. (laughs) Like, I don't need this in my life right now. Like my doctor, as soon as my doctor says to me, he goes, Hey, so you're pre-diabetic. And I was like, well, what what does that mean? He was like, you want to lay off the sugars? And me, I'm an overachiever, so I was like, okay, cool. I left the doctor's office, went to 7-Eleven, bought two honey buns, said, let's gun it towards the rocks. My, <laughs> wife, she, my wife didn't appreciate that at all. She was very pissed. But I was like, dude, it's so good. It's so delicious. Um, but yeah, if you show me a honey bun, it, it, it's, it won't last more than five minutes in front of me. So, <laughs> like, hey, you, we 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 all have to have our vices, man. Like, we we all have to have that like thing that's just like, oh yeah, that's 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 what I like, right? Like, yeah. I and I'm I'm pretty boring. Like, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't like, I don't really do much other. Like, I kind of like food is kind of like one of my few vices that like I really appreciate really good food. Sure, um, but. I kind of like how much of that like can that be a vice like when you still kind of have to eat so i i i i play that like thin that 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 fine line of like enjoying food but at the same time like i still eat fairly healthy too and my wife's a really good cook too she's a she's a phenomenal cook actually so but um but yeah i i i've 
I've definitely gone through those like the I was like super keto for a really long time and super paleo for like a really long time like no bread like I don't think I ate bread for bread or sugar for like six years almost oh and yeah and then I I was like why like why why am I doing this and and I don't know like I I feel like I'm a little bit happier now that I get eat bread every once in a while and that uh like I I just I, I kind of came to this point in my life. I think maybe I was like 35 or so when I was just like, life's too short, man. Like you, you kind of have to like enjoy things and like, and it's also moderation too. Just yep. things in moderation, even jujitsu. I feel like I, oh, yeah. I, I was having that discussion with a friend of mine that he was like, man, I just feel like if I miss a class, I'm just, I'm, I'm everybody just gets so much better. I was like, dude, I've, probably missed more classes than you've ever trained in your life so and i'm pretty decent right and he's like dude yeah you're you're really good and it's like see so it's all good like it's 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 a marathon man it's not a sprint like don't beat yourself up if you miss one or two classes like just come in when you can and enjoy the ride like enjoy the enjoy everything that jujitsu has to offer but don't don't beat yourself up over it it's not it's not something in life worth beating yourself up that you missed one class or two classes or even a week. Like I've taken weeks off. I, when we bought our house, I took like three months off because we bought our house and we were renovating our house and I was working seven days a week. So it was just like, but I came back and I sucked when I came back, I was super gassed and just, I felt like a deer with no legs and just like all wobbly and shit. But like, but it, it comes back, man. It's just like riding a bike. It's it's all good. And and I found my way back to jujitsu. And sure, I was nervous. And even at that point, I think I was a I was a purple belt then. Uh, even then, I was nervous. I was nervous about coming back. And I was nervous about like where I would be when I came back and how much better everybody else would be. But I came back, and it's just I, even my wife. She took she took tons of time off. And, like she she recently got her blue belt, and um, but before before she got her blue belt she she took probably four or five years off came back and was doing like two classes a day religiously for like nine months ten months or so and like just really in it and just like doing it to do it and doing really well and just like jujitsu always be there it's you don't necessarily forget jujitsu right like it's always going to kind of kind of going going to kind of be there so it's just it's will you be like as technical as you were when you were doing it five days a week probably not will you have the cardio probably not but just give yourself be easy on yourself and like be 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 forgiving of yourself that's like one thing like give yourself a lot of credit that you're you're doing more than the guy sitting on the couch man like you're 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 the man you're the man in the arena at least you you gave it that try like yeah, I think that's one thing we have a weird, I don't say problem, but it's the thing that we do here as humans a lot. Not everyone, but you know, the guys that are like, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you stumble, <laughs> look at that guy, he sucks. And it's like, eh, but that guy got out there and he put it on the line, you mm-hmm. know, versus, you know, the guy who's sitting there pointing fingers saying, you know, oh, that guy sucks. I mean, it's like, was it Joe Rogan? You know, I said this a few times on this show. Or it's like, you know, who's not talking shit to other people on the internet? 
winners. You yeah. know, it, it, you know, so, you know, you know, jujitsu is always going to be there. You might stumble, you know, when you come back, you're going to suck. That's why I mean, COVID was one of the COVID was a weird thing because before COVID hit, that was that period where I was just at the gym almost nonstop. Mm-hmm. And when COVID hit, I secretly gave, like let out a sigh of relief. Because mm-hmm. it's like, but, you know, not knowing it was going to be what it was, but thinking, yeah. okay, we're going to, you know, take a two-week break. You know, mm-hmm. I could breathe a little bit. Maybe this gives me a second to regroup my life. I can figure out what I'm doing. And, you know, since, you know, we've come back to full-time training, I haven't been the same. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's no fault of, you know, the COVID lockdowns or anything. You know, it's all on me. But, you know, I let it get to my head because there is that feeling of I come back and, you know, it's just it doesn't, you know, my timing is off and all of our timing, you know, everyone's timing was off. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm only focused on my timing. You know, I'm not worried about my teammate whose timing is off. And we're like, oh, man, you know, you know, I realize, oh, snap, you know, I just missed, you know, you know, this sweeper, I missed, you know, this transition there. And meanwhile, my, my training partner is doing the same thing, but they're handling it, handling it a lot better than I did. So, the, you know, that took me out of it. And, you know, just what you just said, though, we have to remember Jiu-Jitsu is always going to be there. And when you come back, yeah. you know, pacing yourself to get back to it. And that's just where I am right now is now I'm in that realization of saying, okay, I'm coming back to this. Let me start, you know, kind of slowly climbing back and working on it myself instead of thinking, you know, looking at, you know, oh man, they just got promoted. Shit. Uh, that wasn't me. Uh, I'm never going to get there. You know, no. it's like, okay, cool. Clap, give them their roses, you know, be yeah. a great teammate, yeah. but also continue to remember, you know, all right, now it's time for me to, you know, get back to work. And I think that's anyone who feels like they can't miss a class because they're going to, you know, fall behind, maybe. But if you fall behind, just, you know, get back to marching. You'll get yeah. back. Exactly. Yeah. Just pick up those pieces and just get, get back in there. It's all good. Like, I, I've probably the amount of people I've been doing this long enough to like, even just up here in Portland, then the number of training partners that I've seen come through that were absolute savages on the mat, just killers that don't even train anymore. Like they would have been black belts by now. And to like, think about that and just like, man, where were, where would they be right now? Oh, they'd just be just, if they stuck with it, man. But like, and to see so many people like kind of kind of like come through the system that way and then to just see the people that stick it out and just like i know like when we have um uh, promotions we kind of all sit in groups like all the white belts in one side blue belts in a group purple brown black and like it gets like there's a ton of white belts it's a good amount of blue belts quite a few purple belts and then there's a handful and a half brown belts and only a couple black belts like you really have to put in that time and you really have to put in that effort and you really have to like if 
if this is for you, if this is what you want, if you want to be a black belt, if that's something that it could take anywhere from what, 10, five years to 15 years to 25 years to be a black belt. But at the same time, like you also just have to keep showing up too. Like you're not going to, you're not going to get that blue belt by not showing up to class. You're not going to get that purple belt by not showing up to class. You're not going to get that. Like we're, we're all on our own path, right? Like those that can hit up two classes a day and can compete every month. And like, you're going to get better faster for sure. And like, I've seen that, but there's also the people that can only get in twice a week and because they have kids and a job and stuff like that, but they're still showing up twice a week and they still are appreciating the time that they're there for, like you said, between the hobbyist, between the, the, the soccer mom that wants to do it because she just wants to stay in shape. And, and she feels that it's, it's, it's very empowering to her to have this like physical ability to do, or the, uh, the nerdy kid that just wanted to learn something cool. And now it's just an absolute like killer on the mat or just like any, the, the mismatch of people that are in a jujitsu room. It's very fascinating to see like what you have the college student to the, the middle-aged man. Like I'm friends with like 50 year old guys that grapple, but I'm also friends with like 20 year old kids that grapple. It's just like, where else would I be friends with these people? This is very strange. So, and my, my buddy Kevin would say jujitsu is for everyone, but it, or jujitsu is for everybody, but it's not for everyone. Mm. And it was like, it's a great way to think it like physically it is for everybody, but not for everyone. And that's cool. Like it, not everybody has to do jujitsu. That's, that's cool. But like for those of us lucky enough to like enjoy it and love it, like, it's it's cool that like we we have this great thing that we get to do so absolutely um so we kind of talked about this a little bit beforehand that i I didn't think it was going to happen to us you're like you know when you have a list of topics to go over and you don't even get to them all that's (laughs) how you know it's a good episode uh we're gonna wrap up and the thing is i didn't even get to all my questions here but that's all right because i got a feeling we're, we're going to do this again. So yeah, I, I would love to. Yeah, for sure. This, this was awesome. You know, Mike, yeah. thank you so much for taking the time and doing this with me. Uh, I, I greatly appreciate it. I'm glad I didn't delay it. Like my initial thought was again, let's shoot for some time mid June. They'll be fine. Then once we got the toes, like, you know what, let's get this done sooner rather than later. And I'm glad we did. So uh, thank you so much for this. Uh, you have any uh, shout outs or mentions that you want to add in here before we get out? Uh, yeah, I did actually. Um, I, I really want to appreciate, uh, I appreciate having uh, me on. Um, and uh, this was a super fun chat. I actually want to give your listeners a, uh, a discount code. Um, so all they have to do, if uh, they want to come by, check out uh, asgard503.com. Um, check out our website and see uh, if they like anything. Uh, all they have to do in checkout is just put podcast 20 and they'll get 20% off. And uh, feel free to use that. Um, if uh, And so anybody that uh, enjoyed what we had to say and wants to check out some gear and uh, I, I do have some new stuff. Uh, I know Nikki and Jordan were talking about it too. We just did a photo shoot last weekend and uh, have some new stuff dropping here really soon. I'm, just working on finalizing the the pages and 
getting getting all that stuff squared away so uh i'll have some I have some new shorts coming in uh they're in i just need to get them up on the website some new rash guards and stuff like that so um okay. but we also we carry geese we carry uh we have some uh t-shirts up there um a bunch of different stuff up there some uh, some beanies uh if you're looking for a new gi belt we have gi belts as well um but yeah and uh i hope to bring on some more stuff i really want to bring in more women's clothing and more like women's cut stuff uh especially like rash guards cut more for like a woman's shape um and uh some like women's style shorts as well uh so that's that's coming that's in the works it's just one of those projects that's kind of been shelved a little bit as i got busy so but uh but yeah just podcast 20 and you get 20 uh, percent off at uh, checkout awesome i'll make sure that i put um that in the show notes along with you know the links to your your site and instagram oh. as well for everybody so um thank you for all of that and again thank you the, like, as we we're talking i felt like i, I like norm i get nervous whenever i do this as much as i've done this <laughs> i get nervous but i, I want to say about 10 minutes in maybe 15 the nerves are gone i feel like i was talking to an old friend so thank you for that mike you, you you're an amazing guest thank you oh thank you thank you i really really appreciate it uh and you know for all the listeners out there thank you as well we do appreciate all the support from everyone everyone who's been there we're this is going to be episode 108 guys and you know if y'all weren't listening we wouldn't have been this far. So thank you for the support. Everyone love you all a uh, big shout out to my friends over at Armbar attic, Eric and Allie. I just found out that they're no longer in Denver. I've been saying it for the last few episodes. I think they moved to Austin. So a couple crazy kids out there still doing jujitsu though, cranking uh, arm bars, winning medals and putting out t-shirts. Go check out their site. Go check out their Instagram. Um, also, a big shout out to my good friends over at the Razzle Dazzle Podcast. Shut up, Nut and Nevik. Go check it out. If you guys like the TV show Lost from the, the early 2000s, they do a fun podcast. Go check it out. I listen to it, and I use them as commentary when I listen, when I watch the episodes. They're, they're a couple of great kids. Um, last shout out here, again, to my guest, Mike. Thank you again. And guys, go check out Asgard503.com. And again, use the uh, the offer code podcast20 and, you know, get yourself some good gear. I'm over here as we're talking. I'm like thumbing through, looking at the geese. I was like, okay, I I do need a new white gee. Rash guards. I do need some new rash guards. All right. right, Relax, Dante. You're starting to sweat, breathing heavy. So go check it out. He's got some phenomenal gear. And as you heard through the podcast, a great story. So thank you again. You guys keep listening to the show. We're going to keep making it. Thank you, everyone. Love you. And bye. They Now let me see his soul.